Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. They were influenced by all the various nations around them. And so he certainly was, Jephthah was a man of faith, yes, but he also was a man of his times. It was a dark time in Israel's history where biblical knowledge was at a low. It was a dark time in Israel's history when people continually turned away from God and went further and further and further. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series through the book of Judges, he'll be exhorting us not to make the same mistakes that Jephthah and the children of Israel made during this time period. The Bible says that the children of Israel continually disobeyed God and did what was right in their own eyes. Just as the nation of Israel walked according to the ways of the world, we too can be tempted and swayed into partaking in the world's debauchery if we aren't careful. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith In Jephthah's case, he made a vow that was uncalled for. It was an uncalled for vow. The text says the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. So the anointing comes upon him. Three of the judges, in the book of Judges, it tells us how the spirit of God comes upon them to complete, to go and finish a a task, to do something for God. And the spirit of God comes on him, and that should be enough. And he knows God has sent him on this mission. Uh, He says to the king of the Ammonites, let the Lord judge decide this dispute between the Israelites and the Ammonites. He he had faith. But also Jephthah was a great negotiator. He knew how to strike a bargain. I mean, when he talks to the elders of Gilead, uh, he bargains with them so they make him their head. The judge. A lifetime commitment. Uh, Now he negotiates with the Ammonites, but the Ammonites, of course, even though he gives a strong argument from history showing that the land that was in dispute was over 300 years belonging to the Israelites. No, no, no. he's a strong, strong leader. And he's a good, good negotiator. He's going into battle, and he's going to now bargain with God. He's going to broker a deal. And so he begins to talk to God and says, God, if you do this for me, well, I'll make that vow. I'll keep that vow to you. Sometimes as Christians, we forget the character of God God wanted to give them the victory. God wanted to give them triumph over their enemies. But sometimes we forget what God is like. We say, well, God, if you answer this prayer, I'll never ask you again for anything. 
Well, God, if you get me out of this mess, I, I, I promise you I'll do this. And like Jephthah, we make our bargains and we begin the barter with God and negotiate with him. And there, Jephthah fails to realize that this was an unnecessary vow. Understand the character of God. God wants us to ask him and to keep on asking him. He wants us to learn to be dependent upon him, our heavenly father. All through the journey, we never outgrow our dependence upon the Lord. No, no, no. God just absolutely delights in giving to his children. He's a gracious, gracious God. You don't have to bargain with him and barter with him and negotiate with him. No. He makes that mistake. Now, not only did he make an unnecessary vow, something he shouldn't have done, he didn't have to do, it was out of place. He also makes an uninformed vow. An uninformed vow. In Deuteronomy 18.10 it says this, let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. Hmm. Let no one among you make a sacrifice to God with their child. Now, he knew some scripture. Now, he was probably illiterate. He probably, everything he learned, he learned either through memorization or through oral teaching. And Jephthah remembers one part of God's scripture. And often what happens is people get fixated on one particular truth. They dig in there, they anchor to that, to the exclusion of other truths that create balance in our life, that keep us from going off the deep end. He knew the scriptures that said, keep your vows, but he didn't know the scripture where it said, God said, don't sacrifice your children. Don't give them as an offering. In fact, he didn't read or didn't know or didn't understand Leviticus 27 that says when you make a rash vow and, and, and that vow is making in haste and, and you can't fulfill it, well, you can offer something else to God, another sacrifice. Had he read Leviticus or had he understood Leviticus, had he been familiar with that, he would have been okay. Well, Reverend John Wayne Brown stood on Matthew chapter 16, and he believed it with all of his heart. He had strong faith. I would say stronger than maybe most of us. But he didn't properly interpret it in light of other passages. I think about the book of Acts, the 28th chapter, the last chapter there, in chapter 28, Paul is shipwrecked on an island of Malta, and he's building a fire on a shipwrecked island, and a, a viper comes and bites him and holds onto him, and the residents of that island look, they're waiting for his hand, his arm to swell up, they're waiting for him to drop over and die, and he doesn't. But that was by accident, that 
wasn't presumptuously testing God. That wasn't putting God to the test. See, in order to understand God's word, you have to understand it in the big picture. You have to understand the whole picture. Uh, there's a book, I don't necessarily recommend it to you, but there's a book called A Year of Living Biblically. It was a non-Christian man by the name of A.J. Jacobs who wrote the book. Uh, he was going to endeavor to live one year biblically. Now, he lived in New York City, and uh, he grew a beard. He actually looked uh, like Moses. He practiced eating kosher food. Uh, he tried to follow the Old Testament scriptures perfectly, so he would go to Central Park, and on the Sabbath day, uh, he would look for Sabbath breakers, and then the Bible says stone Sabbath breakers, so he would take little pebbles and flick it at them and just turn away. Now, the book was written and meant to be humorous, and it, it is, it is. But it was making the point that uh, sometimes we fixate on things in Scripture and, and, and don't look at the whole thing. And sometimes we take things that are literal that shouldn't. Again, it was written through the eyes of an unbeliever. But it does say something to us. As Christians, we must look at all of God's Word. We must have a strong faith but also have strong doctrinal understanding, a deep theology. Jephthah found himself in a situation that's described in the book of Proverbs when it said, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. I love the passage of scripture that was given to Joshua. Don't let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to obey everything written in it. Uh, God's word, as we meditate, as we study it, as we endeavor to let it influence our life and we develop a proper theology. Again, some people fixate on the second coming and I believe he's coming again. But they get off balance. All they think about is that. Or they fixate on grace and forget holiness. Or fixate on holiness and forget grace. Sound doctrine. How important that is. So weak doctrine can lead to unsound religious practices or commitments. And it was an uncalled for vow. It was an uninformed vow. He didn't know scripture. He didn't know God's character. But it also does something else. Weak doctrine can lead to dangerous religious practices. In 1 Timothy 4.16, it reads, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, here's Jephthah. He makes this rash vow. God gives him the victory. He was going to give him the victory. It's evidently the hand and the power of God. I don't want to read to you uh, verses 34 and 35 and 39 of Judges 11. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? She was his only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. 
When he saw her, he tore his clothes and he cried, oh my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. After, now she goes away for two months to mourn the fact that she'll never marry and that she'll die. She returned to her father and he did to her as he had vowed. Now she was like her dad, a person of strong faith because she willingly gave her life. She willingly allowed herself to become a sacrifice, a, a burnt offering. One of the things that happened here is that Jephthah really reflected his culture. Jephthah, we can say, was more influenced by his times than by sound doctrine. We can be more influenced by our times than sound doctrine. Listen to Deuteronomy 12.31. You must not worship the Lord your God the way other nations worship their gods. God knew that the nations around them practiced religious practices that he abhorred that he didn't want them to practice. But they were influenced by the Philistines. They were influenced by the Canaanites. They were influenced by all the various nations around them. And so he certainly was, Jephthah, was a man of faith, yes, but he also was a man of his times. It was a dark time in Israel's history where biblical knowledge was at a low. It was a dark time in Israel's history when people continually turned away from God and went further and further and further. It says, for they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as to sacrifice to their gods. What Jephthah was doing is what so often happens. He was building a hybrid of faith, taking from the culture, taking from the Bible, taking what he knew of Jehovah, Yahweh, God, and including it in the culture. So often, uh, we do the very, very same things. In Timothy, it says, 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Hmm. How is it that we have beliefs in America that historically have never been a part of the church and that the church worldwide is not experiencing? We've prayed earlier about our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ who are, some of them, losing their life, losing all of their possessions. And historically, the church has been willing to see this world as only a pilgrimage, we're just a passing through. But yet we have brought the American dream, baptized it in Christian faith, and we believe we all should be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, and suffering shouldn't be in the vocabulary of the believer. Or we're influenced in other ways by the culture. What happened was he was influenced by his times like we so often are. We're influenced more by our times than really the teaching of God. Yeah, yeah. 
there's a lot of preachers on television, a lot of preachers on the radio, a lot of books being pumped out on the press. But with all of that, we still lack first-hand knowledge and skill of how to crack open the scriptures and, and study the Bible. I mean, you could just tell, if you listen to people when they call into those Christian stations and they have the question and answer period, the questions that they stumble over, you think, well, don't they have the simple beginning elements of truth? Not only can we and are we influenced by our times, sometimes more than sound doctrine, Unsound doctrine can bring unnecessary suffering into our lives. Look again at verse 35 in the New Living Translation. It says, when he saw it, this is his daughter. He tears his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out. You've completely destroyed me. You've brought disaster on me. For I've made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. Hmm. Here's a beautiful young teenage girl who loves her father, who is a person of faith. And her dad comes home after the victory. All of the village is rejoicing. And she wants to be the very first one out with the tambourine. She comes with youthful energy, dancing up to her father. Only to see the look in his face. The sorrow written and then to hear these words, you, you, you have completely destroyed me. You've brought disaster on me. How many times do people experience suffering? Suffering of their own making, and they blame everybody else. They look at their spouse and say, only if you. They look at their circumstance, only if that were different. They look at God, on and on, they Pass the blame, never looking at themselves. Strong faith with weak doctrine is a recipe for disaster. I don't know if you remember, but Jessica Ann Lieberger made the news years ago, national, actually, television. She was a five-week-old baby. She developed pneumonia. Her father, Cortland, was a preacher. Cortland Lieberger was, a, as described by the press, a fundamentalist preacher. Now, he believed in healing, and we do too. But he didn't believe in medicine. We do. He prayed, and he fasted, and he trusted God. Now, the hospital was right across the street from his home. Estes Park, Colorado. Right across the street. He could have walked over, brought his daughter there, but he, he didn't because of his strong faith and weak doctrine. His daughter died. Well, the district attorney decided to press charges because he felt it was his serious negligence that his daughter died. Cortland was convicted of manslaughter. He was guilty, but the judge felt that if he would sentence him to prison, 
it really wouldn't serve justice because by all accounts, Cortland was a good father and he had five other children. When he left the courthouse, one of the reporters stopped him and they asked him what he thought about the verdict. Now, this was his reply. Well, God is my judge. Well, give an account to him. Well, that's true. God is our judge, and we all will give an account to him. When they asked Reverend Brown's pastor friend that was at the church, who was on the platform with him, he said, a lot of people don't understand us. We are just normal people, but we believe God's word. Hmm. I remember when I got saved. I came to church. I didn't know much. I didn't know the books of the Bible. I didn't know much of what the Old or the New Testament was about. Uh, I didn't even know tithing. You know, I didn't know anything. You know, except that Jesus died on the cross for me, and He shed His blood. And if I would believe that He was God and that He died on the cross and He rose from the dead, I would be saved. And that simple belief that I had made all the difference in my life. It was that belief that saved me. God holds faith of great value for those who trust him and believe in him and and, and will take him at his word. And so if a person believes in him and trusts him, well, that gets them to heaven. Uh, That's what they need to be saved. God obviously holds faith very, very high. But God also, at times, overlooks our ignorance. I think Reverend Brown is in heaven with his wife. I think we'll meet Cortland Lieberger one day in heaven as well. Jephthah sacrificed his daughter, something that was abhorrent to the Jewish people, But the nations around them did it. It was a a culture filled with violence. But yet God puts him in the hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. And he's noted along with Moses and with Abraham and with Noah as a person of faith. It's possible to have strong faith and weak doctrine, theology, and get to heaven. But oh, oh, what trouble you have on the way. What needless suffering and sometimes the mistakes that come because we don't have that balance. Well, as I bring the message to a close, I want to challenge you to let the scriptures inform how we ought to live to push aside so many of our cultural influences. Yes, we have to understand them to reach people in our culture, but we don't necessarily have to embrace them. And we don't want to create a hybrid of faith that contradicts the word of God and the character of God. We want to have strong faith with strong theology that will issue in a good life for the kingdom 
for ourselves and for those that we love. Throughout the history of the nation of Israel, there have been various forms of leadership. From the creator of heaven and earth, to kings, to judges. The book of Judges details the time when God chose judges like Othniel and Deborah to make right ruling in Israel. Join us each day as Pastor Ed shares with us verse by verse from the book of Judges. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Visiting the website will also help you stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith. At the website, you'll find today's message for you to listen to again, download, or even post to your Facebook page to share with your family and friends. Again, that's all available when you log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Judges. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.